This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 19. Did the early Christians baptize infants? If you're a Catholic brought up in a Catholic household, chances are you were baptized at a time when you didn't remember, when you were months or weeks or even days old. The practice of infant baptism is more or less unique to the Catholic Church. So here we have obviously what's considered an important sacrament or important element of the faith by all Christians, that is baptism. Christ was very clear about it. But the question is, first of all, why do Catholics have infant baptism? And the second question is, did the early church have infant baptism? This is an important question because it's an important part of Christ's preaching and teaching. The last thing he says to his apostles as he's ascending into heaven is to go and baptize all nations. So baptism has a fundamental and primary importance in the life of a Christian. It's also important because since the Catholic Church is really the only church that practices infant baptism, it provides a really good indicator of the validity of the church's claims and its connection to the apostolic church if, in fact, the apostolic church, the early church, also did infant baptism. And as we'll see, it not only is a matter of difference in deciding what age to receive baptism, but the real disagreement is whether or not baptism or whether or not sacraments in general actually do what we say they do. As I defined in the last episode, a sacrament is a sign that, yes, signifies something, but it also effects grace in the soul. It's a sign that actually is a cause, an instrumental cause of grace. We see the sacraments as channels which flow from Christ and his sacrifice down to us individually. Christ died for us, one salvation for all of us, but the way that salvation is applied to us or the way that salvation actually reaches us individually is through the sacraments. Of course, the sacraments don't work by magic. There is, of course, an interior element that needs to be ready to receive God's grace. There needs to be no obstacle in one's soul. Now, I guess just speaking generally, probably oversimplifying, but among the various other uh, denominations, there is usually the belief that baptism is more of a sign that confirms one's interior acceptance of Christ. And of course, this can only be done when one is older, above the age of reason. There needs to be a conscious acceptance of Christ as your Savior. And then baptism is a sign or a public manifestation of that. Now, there might be variations on that theme, a greater or less belief in the causality of baptism, a greater or less belief that it actually does something interiorly rather than is just an external sign. I'm sure there are differences there. But if we had to describe the main difference, that would be it between Catholics and other Christian denominations. It's really the belief that baptism actually is a cause of grace versus baptism is more just a sign of something that already happens when one accepts Christ. Now, this is an understandable position. If you believe baptism is just a sign that confirms a choice or a decision, then yes, why would you baptize an infant? Can the, uh, an infant can't make a choice. But if it's a cause, then you begin to see why infant baptism is so important. If sacraments actually cause grace 
in a soul that doesn't present an obstacle to that grace, then why would you wait even one second? If baptism is what initiates us into God's covenant and is the beginning of our relationship with God on a spiritual level, why would you wait? Why would you not baptize children as early as possible? So that's the real difference. That's the real dispute. Not whether this or that verse of scripture proves or disproves infant baptism, and we're going to go over some of those, but the real dispute is whether or not sacraments are what Catholics define them as, or whether they are mere signs. Now, among Catholics, there's a lack of understanding on this point, too. There are some people, there are people that make two opposite errors in this. One, there are Catholics who supposedly hold that sacraments are causes, and yet still wait until the child is old enough to say, I want baptism or whatever. The other mistake is to baptize the child early on, but treat it as just kind of a sign. You know, uh, we're going to baptize our baby because that's, that's our tradition. That's what we do. I have my mom's baptismal gown and I want to use it. It'll be adorable. We'll have pictures and cake and all that to treat it just as some kind of cultural event. Those are the two opposite errors. Regarding the first one, to wait until your child desires baptism, it's important to note that we don't really do that with children in any other realm that we consider important. You know, I'm going to wait till my child wants to eat vegetables. I'm going to wait till my child wants to go to school. I'm going to wait till my child wants to go to bed. No, with things that really affect them, their health and their well-being, we don't really care if they consent. We don't really care if they know that it's good. If it actually is going to be good for them, then we make sure that we make it happen. We don't wait for them to make important life decisions in order to direct them to what we know are good things. The, the problem with the, the second error is pretty obvious. Reducing baptism to just some kind of milestone or rite of passage or cultural event really robs it of any meaning, robs it of its most important meaning. The only reason it is celebrated, the only reason it is a milestone is because we consider it the beginning of the life of grace in the soul of a child. So those are the really important considerations before we move on to scripture. The real dispute is between sacrament as cause or sacrament as merely a sign. If it is a cause, then it makes sense that children be baptized as early as possible. Consider baptism as the fulfillment of the rite of circumcision. This is something that was the sign of your entrance into the covenant with God as the people of Israel. And the decision was, of course, made by the parents when the child was an infant. So it's as if the, the parents desire or consent supplies for the child's lack of desire or consent because the parents realize the importance of bringing their child into the covenant that God had with the people Israel. So with all that being said, let's look now at the scriptural witness to baptism and what we can glean from that about whether or not they baptize children. We already went over the words of Christ talking about the importance of baptism. Again, as he ascended into heaven, he tells them to baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This was his really last command to them before he left their sight. He also says when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Christ, of course, 
is clear about the necessity and the importance of baptism. Let's look at some of the other passages from Scripture that show that baptism is necessary. One of the first things that Peter says in Acts, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So not only this commandment to be baptized, but also the fact that baptism actually forgives sins and gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he added, For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. So this makes sense. Christ didn't put any qualifications or limitations on baptism. He just set it as a universal commandment. So why would we restrict it to people above the age of reason? I guess the burden of proof is on someone who would claim that. It's clear that, again, in these words of Peter and in the words of Christ just read, that they say that baptism is something that actually does something to a person. It actually does something to their soul. So that seems to support the claim that sacraments actually do something. They are causes rather than just signs. So that supports the claim that infant baptism makes sense. And in addition to that, it seems that St. Peter actually references baptism for children. Christ places no limits on it. In fact, we know he says, let the little children come to me. So infant baptism is looking more and more likely. Are there other more explicit references to infant baptism? Well, there are other references to baptism in the story of uh, Lydia. In Acts chapter 16, St. Paul's preaching moved her. She was uh, converted by this. And it says she was baptized with her household. So she is the one who heard Paul's preaching and then her whole household was baptized, presumably including children if there were any. And remember when Paul was in jail, there was a, in Philippi, there was a jailer who was converted and he was baptized again, quote, along with all his family. Paul himself in the first letter of to the Corinthians says, I baptized also the household of Stephanus. So there's whole households being baptized. And what one understands by household at that time, of course, would be parents, children, uh, servants, etc. And before we move on to the fathers of the church and what they said, it's important to recognize that Christ himself was baptized, not as if he needed to be sanctified by baptism, but we believe rather that in his baptism, he is the one who sanctified the waters of baptism for all of us. That is, made them life-giving, grace-giving in baptism. So regarding the Fathers of the Church, we again have a multitude of quotations. St. Irenaeus, you recall, he was the disciple of St. Polycarp, who was the disciple of St. John the Apostle. So writing in the late 2nd century, Irenaeus says, Jesus came to save all through himself, all, I say, who through him are reborn in God, infants and children and youths and old men. Hippolytus, writing in 215, Baptize first the children, and if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. So again, here you see baptism of children, but also the statement that relatives and parents can supply for the child's assent or belief or will. Origen, writing in 248, Every soul that is born into flesh is soiled by the filth of wickedness and sin. In the church, baptism is given for the remission of sins, and according to the usage of the church, baptism is given even to infants. If there were nothing in infants which required the remission of sins, and nothing in them pertinent to forgiveness, the grace of baptism would seem superfluous. So Origen touching on the necessity of baptism, not just as the beginning of one's life in God, but also for the remission of original sin which is something that we believe in, that we are born with a lack of grace. We were intended to be born with grace. Adam and Eve screwed that up for us. So original sin is our being born without that original grace. And we call that original sin. So a child needs baptism for that. 
Origen also says, The Church received from the Apostles the tradition of giving baptism even to infants. The Apostles, to whom were committed the secrets of the Divine Sacraments, knew there are in everyone innate strains of original sin, which must be washed away through water and the Spirit. So that's pretty clear. It doesn't really get clearer than that. St. Cyprian, writing in 253, As to what pertains to the case of infants, you said that they ought not to be baptized within the second or third day after their birth, that the old law of circumcision must be taken into consideration, and that you did not think that one should be baptized and sanctified within the eighth day after his birth. In our council, it seemed to us far otherwise. No one agreed to the course which you thought should be taken. Rather, we all judge that the mercy and grace of God ought to be denied to no man born. So he's having a dispute in one of his letters about how early to baptize, and he takes the stance that earlier the better, rather than needing to wait eight days in imitation of circumcision. Uh, he goes on to say in the same letter, If in the case of the worst sinners and those who formerly sinned much against God, when afterwards they believe the remission of their sins is granted and no one is held back from baptism and grace, how much more then should an infant not be held back who, having but recently been born, has done no sin except that, born of the flesh according to Adam, he has contracted the contagion of that old death from his first being born. For this very reason does he that is an infant, approach more easily to receive the remission of sins, because the sins forgiven him are not his own, but those of another. So he's making a claim that how much more should an infant receive baptism, and how much more does an infant benefit from baptism who has no personal sin than one who has much personal sin, almost saying like an infant is more disposed to receive baptism than others are. I'll just end with three more quotations from three different fathers of the church. St. Gregory Nanzianzen, Do you have an infant child? Allow sin no opportunity. Rather, let the infant be sanctified from childhood. From his most tender age, let him be consecrated by the Spirit. He says later in that same work, Better that they be sanctified unaware than that they depart unsealed and uninitiated. St. John Chrysostom says, You see how many are the benefits of baptism, and some think its heavenly grace consists only in the remission of sins. But we have enumerated ten honors it bestows. For this reason we baptize even infants, though they are not defiled by personal sins, so that there may be given to them holiness, righteousness, adoption, inheritance, brotherhood with Christ, and that they may be his members. And finally with Augustine, St. Augustine, What the universal church holds, not as instituted by councils, but as something always held, is most correctly believed to have been handed down by apostolic authority. Since others respond for children, so that the celebration of the sacrament may be complete for them, it is certainly availing to them for their consecration, because they themselves are not able to respond. He says in a different place, The custom of Mother Church in baptizing infants is certainly not to be scorned, nor is it to be regarded in any way as superfluous, nor is it to be believed that its tradition is anything except apostolic. So those quotations are pretty self-explanatory. Did the early church baptize infants? It certainly seems they did. We have confirmation in scripture that baptism is a cause of grace. It's a necessity for salvation, that Christ didn't limit it, that the early church in Acts and in the letters of Paul baptized their entire households, and that the early fathers of the church uh, were very explicit that not only are infants to be baptized, but that this was of apostolic origin. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at my Patreon to help support this podcast. Also follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give a five-star rating. God bless.